1. If you got your Bibles, go to the book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We'll start at verse. Start at verse 1. I'll start at verse 1. And read a little bit. Let us pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for being God and being here. Help us to truly focus, to learn of you, God, to just truly delight in you. Open up the eyes of our understanding, God. Teach us, guide us, lead us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're in Colossians chapter 2. And we're continuing where we've been for the last two weeks. Uh talking about our relationship to the law and just as a reminder we go over the the basic things that we cannot lose that one when it comes to the law when we're talking about obeying the commandments of Moses or doing the things that are in the Torah what we cannot say that we believe is that we do those things to get right with God because by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified so whatever it is we're talking about when we're talking about the law we cannot be talking about a system of things that bring us into right standing, that, that bring us into a deeper or closer or more intimate relationship with God because none of those things justify. But when we talk about the purpose of the law, we got to understand that the law was given because of sin and it was added because of transgression. So what it does is it show us our need and it show us how messed up we are. That's why the law came to, to demonstrate to us how, how, how bad we are. So when God say don't covet, when God say don't commit adultery and all those other things, he, he, he's telling us those things, not as a system to bring us to justification, but as a means to show us where our heart is and how it is, who it is that we truly are, that we are evil. So the law came to show us our need. And in doing that, what the law does, it, it pushes us, it, it compels us, it forces us to go to Christ because Christ is the end of the law. For all of us that believe, what that means is that the whole point or the, the, the sum total, the whole design of the law is Christ and Christ himself. It was made because of him and it forces us to him and it reveals who he is. Because Jesus showed us over and over again that the law prophesies, that the law predicts and it's revealed and it's fulfilled in Christ Jesus. So whatever we're talking about when we're talking about the law, we cannot be talking about a system that makes us right. But we are talking about something that shows us how wicked we are. And in that showing us how wicked we are, it pushes us to Jesus. But even beyond that, because the law is prophetic and the law is something that can be fulfilled. And Christ said he came to fulfill it. Christ is the ultimate. Christ is the end of the law. So when we look into the law, we should be looking for Jesus. And that's our hope and that's our purpose and that's what we're going into. But we're just going to take up a couple of controversial passages to deal with and try to expand this thing on out and hopefully be done with this. We're going to read a little bit in Colossians chapter 2. It says, For I would that you knew that what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh that their hearts might be comforted being knit together in love Unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. 
And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, enjoying and beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. So this is Paul's introduction. And he, he's transitioning to his main point. Now, in this first cap- chapter of Colossians, it's some very deep theology. But to sum it up, Christ is everything, and everything that exists exists because of him, and you in him. That's all the deep theology of Colossians 1. He, he says some deep things, some things to meditate on. But this is the basis of it. Christ is everything. He's superior than everything. Everything exists because of him. Everything exists before for him, and you exist in him. So your whole identity is bound up in him. So when Paul comes to his next point, he's building off the back of that. And he's letting you know that. It's some things I want you to know. It's some conflict that's going on. And the reason he's writing this letter and getting into this, he said he wanted them to be comforted together and knit together in all the riches of the full assurance of understanding to the acknowledgement of the mystery. So there's some assurance that he's trying to give them that comes through understanding and it's through the knowledge of this full mystery. So it's this mysterious thing that's going on. And he said, if you acknowledge this, if you get full assur- if you get knowledge of this mystery, you will have full assurance in all things. And this is what we're going to try to understand. And it says, talking about Christ, in whom I hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And this I say, least any man should beguile you with enticing words. So this is the original point. If we get the full assurance of this knowledge, of this mystery, we're going to be sure, we're going to be straight, and we're going to be bound together. And we got to understand that in Christ, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hid. So if there's any wisdom, if there's any knowledge, where is it? It's in Christ. Now that's a deep statement. A bold statement that a lot of people really don't believe. But if the Bible is true, it has to be a true statement. If there's any wisdom, if there's any knowledge, where is it? It's in Christ. All the treasure of wisdom and knowledge is bound up in Christ. And this is something that we need to keep in our hearts, in our minds, in our head, whatever it is you keep knowledge at. Wherever it is. (laughs) You need to keep it there. Because there's a tendency for us as Christians to elevate all the other disciplines above us. Especially if you're like me. What I mean by that, I tell y'all this all the time. That I barely made it out of high school. Yes, I had to graduate through summer school. I got pushed out of elementary school. (laughs) So when it comes to stacking up academic endeavors and and, and achievements and all that stuff, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. I ain't got none to stack up against nobody. And most people think that way when we think about church and we think about Christians. All the people with the dots and dashes and the alphabets behind their name, they are the great intelligent people. And we just some folks that believe and follow a book and what a man tell us on Sunday morning. But if this book that we follow and believe in is true, we have access to things that those people with them dots and dashes and letters behind their name don't have access to. 
that they're trying to figure out what we possess. And that's all wisdom and the treasures of knowledge and understanding because all those things are hidden in Christ. So everything that they discover, we have revealed into us. So while they're trying to figure out the deep mysteries of the universe, we got the one who make the universe mysterious living inside of us. And so we, when we go and we, we interact, we should interact with boldness, not pride, but boldness. Because we got a one up on all the rest of the world. That the thing that they're trying to know can only be known if you know Christ. That they can get a lot of information, but they can't get all of it. Because all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge is hidden in Christ. And Paul said he's telling these people this for the reason. least anybody beguile you through some fancy words. So don't, don't nobody trick you. You need to know and understand that all the wisdom and the treasures of all that good stuff is hidden inside Christ. So this is our source and our foundation. And he told us in chapter 1, you are in Christ. So you have access to everything that you need to know and to understand and to move and to navigate this world with knowledge and wisdom and understanding. Because you got access to the treasure. Are y'all understanding that? So should nobody be able to trick you through enticing words? Verse 5 says, For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the spirit, joining beholding your order and steadfastness of your faith in Christ. And as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding therein in thanksgiving. So just like you receive Christ, that's the way that you walk in him. So you live your life in Christ the same way you begin your life in Christ. Now this can get deep and complex. How is it that we receive Jesus? Anybody know? Wow. I'm talking about it's amazing. <laughs> that, that's it. You confess, you believe, and you believe what you confess. Now, this is deep now. Y'all watch this now. This is real deep. If you want to walk in the spirit, if you want to walk in Christ, do the same thing you did to start. Confess and believe. So every day you wake up, when you want to go to another level, a new dimension of understanding and all the manifestations and the fruition of the spirit and all that God has for you, what you need to do? Confess and believe. That's it. That's how you walk this Christian life. Confess and believe. And you got all the treasures of everything you need in Christ and you are in him. So you just keep holding on. That's what Romans 10 told us that. That the end of the law is in Christ to those who believe. So we don't have to ascend to get the word. We don't have to descend. But the word that we believe is inside of us. And all we do is let that word be that word in us and we believe it. So when you want to go to a new dimension of faith in God, all you got to do is do the same thing you did to start. That's amazing. Ain't, it? ain't no tricks. Ain't no seven secrets. There's no mysterious understanding for the unlocking of the keys of the kingdom. All it is, is you believing in Jesus. The same Jesus that lives inside of you, you allow him to be God in you. And if you do that, 
You be rooted in him. You be grounded in him, be established and built up in the same faith. So you grow stronger in this faith that you started in. That's all you have to do. That makes sense to anybody. That, that, that's, that's deep. Hey, I'm about, we need to write a book. The one key. <laughs> now, this comes with a warning. I'll give you another warning. In verse 8, it said, Beware, at least any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the, root, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now, this is deep. Say, beware, this is a warning. This is what we're going to focus on. Pay attention for fear that somebody is going to spoil you. What they mean by spoil, it's, it's a word, it's a war term. that basically means they make booty out of you. They take you away as a treasure of war. So beware, least somebody take advantage of you. They take captive of you and they carry you back as a subject of war. And how is they going to do it? Through philosophy and vain deceit after the traditions of men. So this is the warning. And that word men, now Paul uses a deep word. And people make some deep, deep things out of this. I want to bring it up because there's a lot of people that are going to tell you the complete opposite of what I'm about to say. That word men there, it's a word that could be translated, beware at least a certain one. Some people will say the certain one. I just take it as the certain one. Beware at least a certain one deceive you. So that makes it seem like Paul is talking about somebody deep and specific that's going to come in. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. So beware at least a certain one spoil you. How they're going to spoil you? Through philosophy? It's talking about a system of thought, a system of belief through vain deceit after the traditions of men. So they're going to use philosophy and vain deceit to bring you after the traditions of men. Y'all got that? Philosophy and vain deceit, and they're going to spoil you by bringing you after the traditions of men. So there's certain traditions that men made up that they're going to try to get you to follow after. And if you do those things, he said, you will be spoiled. They're going to take advantage of you. They're going to take you captive. And the whole goal is to get you away from what? Christ. And let's just use our head a little bit. So if they're trying to get me away from Christ, and that's how they're going to spoil me, what's one way to make sure I never get spoiled? Say, stay focused on Christ. So do I have to understand every deep thing that everybody going to come to me and present me with? All I need to know is what? Christ. So when the brother come to you on the street and they preaching some deep things to you that you never heard of before, do you have to understand that in order for you to keep from not being taken advantage of? No. What you need to understand? Christ. Because everything that's going to try to come and spoil you it's going to come to spoil you after the traditions of man away from Christ. So as long as I know Christ, I'm going to know when somebody trying to trick me. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So even when the person in, in, in the church get up deep and they're talking all this deep stuff about the manifestation and the fruition of the, of the destiny of all that good stuff. 
Do I need to know any deep mysteries about angels and, and, and about spiritual manifestations in a heavenly kingdom and the powers and the principalities of all that deep stuff they're talking about? I don't need to understand that. If I know Jesus, I know everything that's going to keep me from being spoiled. So my focus in this life, my focus when I'm looking at these scriptures, my focus when I'm going about my everyday life is to find Jesus and stay on that. So when I hear the man telling me about the manifestations of the fruition and the breakthrough of all that's going to come, my question is, all right, how does it get me closer to Jesus? How is this turning my mind towards Christ? How is this putting me towards my true identity, which is hid in Christ? If you can't answer them questions, I scratch this whole sermon on the manifestation and all the fruition and all the blessings and the breakthroughs away because it don't mean nothing to me. I don't care about no depths of heavenly kingdoms and visions and mysteries that you done had unless they're going to push me to Jesus. I don't care about your experiences and what it is that God revealed you. He ain't revealed to you Christ. You ain't helping me. And so it worked both ways. So when we're dealing out there with the heathen and the little people with the nice suits on the bicycle, I need to know Jesus. And I need to understand when they're trying to trick me about Jesus. I don't need to know all these systems and about all their little holy underwear and all that stuff that they wear. I need to know about Jesus. If they're teaching me something about Jesus, I'm focused in on that and I need to make sure I know them. Because if they trick me by Jesus, they got me. I don't care about nothing else. It's Jesus and Jesus alone. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Because if they can get me away from Jesus, they get me, they spoil me, they rob me. They take me captive. So my only hope and my only foundation is to be founded and rooted in Jesus. And when I'm studying the Bible, I'm studying to be founded and rooted in Jesus. Are y'all tracking with me? I'm saying I don't need to be some see COVID. See, COVID, that's short for Colossians. V, that Roman numeral five. See, Colossians 519. <laughs> Ain't got no five. So maybe it's Corinthians. <laughs> see, this the, see, this the second coronavirus. So it ain't first Corinthians, it's second Corinthians 519. <laughs> Don't let nobody take you away with all that deep type of stuff that, that, that puts your mind everywhere, that, that builds you with fear, that builds you with all these type of other things because you're focusing on other stuff. Nah, we don't despise prophecy. We ain't up at it. We, we cannot be taught. We listen when people expound in the word of God. But what we listening for? Jesus. They can go all over the world. But let me hear what you're telling me about Jesus and how does this relate to Christ and how does this build me up and establish me in my faith because that's the only way I can walk in him. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So that's our whole focus. And if we keep this in line, everything else is going to make sense. Now watch this. Paul do some amazing things that people don't like. Verse 10, he said, you are what in him? Yeah, you, 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 you fool in him. And he is the head of all principality and power in whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made with our hands and putting off the body of sin of flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Buried with him in baptism, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who raised him from the dead. 
So you're circumcised in Christ. You're baptized with Christ. And in baptizing, you're dead with Christ. So everything that you need to be is in Christ. Keep that in the back of your mind. Saying you, being dead in your sins and, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against you, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. I'm saying, Jesus, since you are in him and you are complete in him, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, have he quickened together with him, forgiving you all trespasses. So there's a transformation that took place that Paul is taking, talking about here. There once was a point where because of your sins, and he added a level, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, you were dead. Now, why would Paul bring up uncircumcision of your flesh? What that got to do with anything? And what he's painting a picture is, is you were cut off because you was a sinner, and even deeper than that, because you were not Jewish. That's what he's telling these people. Like, there was no hope for you. But Christ took you and he made you alive. So he took you from being dead and made you alive. Regardless of your sin and regardless of the uncircumcision of your flesh, Christ overcame both of them and made you alive in him. And he did it by triumphing over all principalities and powers, by blotting out all handwriting that was contrary to you. Now, that's, now this is one that, that, that gets deep in where the debate begins. What does he mean he blotted out all handwriting and all ordinances that was contrary to you? Now, the school of thought goes a couple of different ways. Most folks who think like we think, they're going to tell you they're talking about the whole Old Testament. That Jesus took the whole Old Testament, our son would say all the five books of Moses, and he put them on the cross and he got rid of it. He just nailed the whole thing to the cross because that was contrary against you. Do I think that? I don't think so. I think things contained in there were contrary against you. And the way I take it of the handwriting of ordinances that was contrary to you, and you got to think of the picture when they crucified Christ. Anybody remember this? When they crucified him and they hung him, one of the last things they did was they nailed his charges to the cross. Caesar made the sign and he said, King of the Jews. Remember the Jewish people were fussing. Like, say he said that he was king of the Jews. Now, what they were doing was they nailed his charges against him. And that was a common practice in Rome. That when a man is guilty and they take him out to be tried or take him out for his punishment, they, they post his, his charges. They, they make it public. They put treason or whatever it is that they're charging you with as a testimony of who you are. And I think Paul is taken from that picture that there are testimonies even contained in the law that testify to who we are. And those things, those rights are contrary against you. So when it came to you and you standing before God, there were signs that were going to be connected above your head and it was going to say liar. 
thief, fornicator, all them things written against you. Low down, no good joke. <laughs> gonna be <laughs> take the ball with a lot of y'all head. Mind you, gonna say he made some mistakes. <laughs> but y'all were gonna be bad. <laughs> and that's what he's referring to when he's talking about these handwriting or ordinances that was contrary to us. So there were some things that went against you. And a lot of those things were contained in the writing of Moses. But all of those things, he triumphed over them. Everything that caused you to be cut off. So that first time you were watching whatever you were watching, depending on how old you were, we just say Sesame Street and be safe. Because I think that covered just about everybody. Well, I don't know, mom. Say Sesame Street cover everybody. Everybody old enough to watch Sesame Street. Young and old, that's been around for a long time. So when you watching Sesame Street, ignoring your parents, at that moment you were supposed to die, according to the law of Moses, because hard-headed, disobedient children are to be stoned. That is a capital offense. That's deep. What Jesus did was took that capital offense against you that you were supposed to die for, and he died in your place. Nailed that to the cross. Triumphed over it. Every principality, every power, everything that was contrary to you, whether it's seen or unseen, God triumphed over it publicly. That's why he died the way he did. And that's why when he rose from the grave, he did what he did. What did he do? He walked around and made sure people knew that he got up. He didn't just do no secret resurrection. Like, come on, disciples. I don't want nobody to know. But I beat the grave. <laughs> I'm going to come back and get y'all. Shh. Nah, Jesus got up and he was walking around the streets. He's showing up. Still preaching and teaching. Seen. So he had physical contact with over 500 people. Made sure that it was known. That, hey, I'm back. Like that little bad chilling you put child you put in the corner. And you tell them, go sit down in the corner. And they go sit down. And as soon as you turn your head, they run around. <laughs> Jesus was that little bad child. They told him, go sit down in the grave. Sit down back. <laughs> Jesus was not obeying them devils in them principalities. He just hard head. And he did it publicly to make it known. So everything that was contrary to you, he triumphed over. So death, he beat it. He beat it publicly. All the laws and the ordinances that you were supposed to die for, he died for it. He died for them publicly. All the devils and the demons that, 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 that accused you before him, he stood up as a justification for you publicly. He did all these things publicly to seal your identity. No longer are you a dead. You are alive with Christ. Now, have to ask the deep question. What did you have to do to become alive? Absolutely nothing. And what Paul's case he's making is, he's talking to Gentile people. Did they have to get circumcised to become alive? No. That's why he brought in 
in your trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God still reached down and he still justified you. He still brought you back with him despite you're not qualifying to be a part of the covenant. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So Jesus died for the unqualified. There's nothing you can claim that makes you acceptable to him. Everything is because of what he did. So please don't let nobody spoil you. Now watch how he finished this thing. In verse 16, it says, let no man therefore, so since Jesus triumphed, and since Jesus made you alive, you didn't qualify for it. There was nothing you could have done to make it happen. Since that is the case, let no man therefore you, that's the same thing again, let no certain one, let, let no particular person, Therefore, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath days. So you are in a place because of what Jesus did you did for you, despite your inability to live up to those things. Don't let nobody judge you. Are you understand what I'm saying? So when it comes to meat and drink and holy days, new moons and Sabbath days, don't let nobody judge you. Now, that can cut both ways. And this is one traditional teaching of it. If you get to what they call the Messianic Jewish movement, what a lot of people get into because they want to be deep. When you get into that movement and they teach you on this verse, they're going to tell you. That means don't let nobody judge you that you're doing those things. Because the testimony that they have is once they convert and become a full Messianic Jew and they start wearing their seat seat with the little tassels on their clothes, people start judging them. And they refer this back to the Jewish people, judging them and saying that you ain't supposed to be doing that or that they cousins them, judging them white. Why are you doing that? And that's how they read it. And I would say that that is a valid reading. That if you begin doing these things, don't let nobody judge you. But the opposite can also be understanding because he just said, let no man, no certain person judge you when it comes to these things. So if you celebrate the holy days and the feast days, don't let nobody judge you. If you don't celebrate them, don't let nobody judge you. Why? Because none of those things bring you into a place of justification before God. Christ made you right with God. Christ redeemed you from death. There's no meat that you did or didn't eat. There's no feast that you did or didn't partake in. There's no holy day that you did or didn't celebrate that put you in a position so that you can get close to God. So when it comes to those things, don't let nobody judge you. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? We don't live our lives after the dictates of men. And this is where I get a little deep. And this is where my caution concerns you. So if you're one of them deep folks and you want to learn about the Jewish heritage of the Christian faith, that's true. And you want to start observing the feast days and the holy days and all those things. You can. You are free to do so. But what you cannot do is think that you're being deep and you're reaching another level of sanctification with God because you're doing those things. You are not. What you cannot do is think that you are somehow better than your brother because you are doing those things. You are not. show you something. Let's play a little bit. Now, a lot of people, 
they would judge us. I've been there. Out in the street talking to deep folks. And when it comes to Easter, this is, this is a big one. Since it's coming up very soon. Now, Easter time coming up. And this is going to be a time of a lot of controversy for deep folks. Now, if we were to do something special on what it is this year. April 12th. Dog, I messed it up. That show you ain't deep. See, you ain't no Christian. You don't even know when Easter is. <laughs> Thing is, April 12th. We just gonna say April 12th. If I'm wrong, y'all edit it out the tape. <laughs> if we were to do something special on April 12th, Resurrection Day, Easter, there's a whole herd of deep folks that gonna say y'all are following all these pagan traditions that you you worship in Ishtar. And all these fake gods. Because Easter came when the, when the Roman people changed it and they absorbed all the pagan practices into the church of Rome. And then they made y'all Christians do it as a revolt. So now all of y'all worshiping this false god because you talking about Jesus rose on Easter. Jesus ain't rise on no Easter. They deep. And I say, there might be some truth to that. And so them deep folk gonna tell you, you like, so what should we do? Like, we need to celebrate Jesus, so if we ain't supposed to celebrate Easter, what we supposed to do? And they gonna deep, deep people gonna tell you. See, what Jesus celebrated was Passover. And if you really want to honor the resurrection of God, the resurrection of Christ, you need to celebrate Passover. And you be like, what is that? How, how I celebrate that? And they're going to tell you about this extravagant meal they call the Seder. And all the little things you're supposed to do, the bitter herbs you're supposed to eat, and all that nasty stuff that they put on the plate that you're supposed to eat, and it be deep. Now, I have a challenge for those deep folks. Because they're telling me I'm following the traditions of men if I celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. On Easter. And they're telling me I'm doing better if I participate in this special holy meal if I do Passover. Now the question becomes, where do you see a Passover Seder in the Bible? You don't. You got that one time where God go into detail in Exodus chapter 12 where he told them what to eat. That's it. All that extra stuff that people do to be deep. Talking about they celebrating the Passover. Jewish folk made that up. They didn't get that from the Bible. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So basically what you are torn between is between one tradition of man or another tradition of man. Now one of them got anything to do with Jesus. Are you understanding what I'm saying? So if you can, out of your mind, out of a pure heart, worship God on this day we call Easter, if you can do that without being conscious or defiled by all this Ishtar and all this deep stuff, do that. If you want to be deep and you want to participate in Passover because it, 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 it signifies the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you can do that. But understand that both of those things come from the tradition of men, the way that we celebrate them. And it even gets so deep that uh, listen to this dude, he broke it down. 
I'm saying, I listen, video block an hour and 45 minutes going in, sending everybody to hell because they believe in Christmas. And he built a great case against Christmas. I'm like, man, this dude is deep. And he's like, so what should we do to, to celebrate? Then this dude going to go and say, after a whole hour and 45 minutes of, of getting, getting deep, bashing all these traditions of men, all this stuff that made up, he's going to go deep and say, we need to celebrate Hanukkah. I'm still looking for that Bible verse. He took a halfway piece of a story that might imply that Jesus maybe went to a festival that could have been Hanukkah. But he took a whole hour to demonstrate in the town the celebrating of Christmas. It's like, dude, you gave me one, you tore down one belief in the traditions of man to give me another one. Hanukkah ain't in no Bible. That don't come from the mouth of Yahweh. All of those things are the traditions of men. And what you get, what we get caught up in is that we hear people because this stuff is Jewish and Jews come, they, they're the people that God gave the Bible. So it got to be deep and it got to be right. What did Jesus' number one charge against those Jewish people was? Anybody remember? Matthew chapter 15. That y'all got the traditions of men. Mark chapter 7. Y'all make null and void the word of God by following the traditions of men. Over and over again, he got on them about their what? Traditions. But we have come to a place looking back to where we elevate their traditions on par with the scriptures and think that we being deep. Don't let nobody judge you based off the traditions of men. So if you want to follow the laws of Moses in the sense of keeping the feast days and the holy days, go ahead. Know that you are following a modified version of it. Especially now they got the coronavirus. Can't now one of y'all go to Jerusalem. <laughs> so how you going to celebrate the Passover? And if you do go, you're going to have to sit in the airport for 14 days until they realize you ain't sick. By then, you'd have missed the whole thing. It's time to come back because ain't none of y'all rich enough, got no money to drive to Jerusalem, sit in the airport for 14 days and still go do your vacation. If you do got enough money to do that, let me borrow $5. <laughs> All right, but y'all only, only give my point. So when it comes to new moons, Sabbath days, holy days, festivals, who can judge you? Nobody. If you want to do them, can Apostle Jay say that you cannot come into a DNA with your seat seat on? That them little tassels they be wearing on their clothes. Can he, can he do that? No, he cannot. You be like, he the apostle of the church. How he can't tell you? Because this ain't his church. <laughs> Jesus tell him what to do and Jesus said don't let nobody judge you so if y'all want to be deep and if you want to send them church folks your money to buy that fancy price y'all so that you can enter into your closet we ain't going to judge you 
But when I don't have my price, y'all, and I tell you I ain't spending no money on no little piece of cloth that I can just round my head, don't you judge me. Now, does that mean the Bible is anti-traditions? Does that mean that the Bible don't go against us having type of traditions and rituals and things that we do in honor of God? When it comes to new moons, Sabbath days, holy days, let nobody what? Don't let nobody judge you. Are y'all grasping what I'm saying? Everybody got that? So when you want to be deep, be deep. But just knowing you ain't being no deeper than the people who ain't being deep. <laughs> let's, let's finish this one off. In verse 17, we'll start back at 16. Let no man therefore judge you with meat or in drink or in spect of a holy day or of the new moon or of the Sabbath day. See, I'm, I'm sticking on this. I have to pick with these people. Now, when the last time somebody told y'all, somebody judged y'all about not keeping the new moon festival? Like, you, you ever ran to any of them deep dudes that said anything to you about that? Huh? Yeah. Either one of them. They're like, you need to celebrate new moon. You met one? Okay. Thank you. Well, I'm yet to meet one. Who, who, who get on me for cel- not celebrating the new moon. Everybody always talking about the Sabbath. The Sabbath. The Sabbath. Like, okay, what about the, the other Sabbaths? Like the new moon festival. I ain't, I ain't never, I ain't met who, who you, who met you, who you met that did that? You ain't telling me. You got secrets? <laughs> Somebody at your job. They got on you about the new moon. How do they date the new moon? So they ain't saying about the new moon. Not necessarily. Oh. Okay. So they ain't saying about the new moon. Because I ain't met one that said nothing about the new moon. They don't know. <laughs> Tell you how I know they don't know? Because they still saying the Sabbath day is Saturday. If you knew when the new moon was, you can know when the Sabbath day was. And one no Saturday in Bible time. <laughs> That's a whole lot of conversation. Now, these things, verse 17, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body is of Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding the head from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together, increase it with the increase of God. Now, he said, these things are a shadow of things to come. So when we're talking about feasts, when we're talking about new moon, we're talking about the holy days and all those things that, that, that they get out of the laws of Moses. He said these things are a shadow of things to come. So that means that they point to something greater than themselves. So all of these things give us a glimpse into a further reality, but they're not the reality. So when we're looking at them, what do we start? When we read our Bible, what we should be looking for? Jesus. And when we come to an understanding of anything, what should it push us to? Jesus. Now, Jesus gives us a glimpse of this in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to turn that just for time. 
In 5, starting at 17, which we read last week, he said, Think not that I come to destroy the law. I ain't come to destroy, but I came to fulfill it. If anybody come to you breaking the commandments or teaching people to break the commandments, they're least in the kingdom. But whosoever honor them and teach other people to obey them, they're greatest in the kingdom. So Jesus got the mindset that the stuff that is contained in the Torah still works. It still exists. It's still valid. And should nobody be breaking them? Should nobody be doing away with them? Should nobody be kicking that piece of that out their Bible? Then he makes this deep and strange statement. He said, unless your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. Like, hold up. Like, Jesus, what you talking about now? Like, unless your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no wise. I mean, ain't no way for you to enter the kingdom of heaven unless your righteousness go beyond theirs. The best of the scribes and the best of the Pharisees, what did they do? They followed the law of Moses outwardly. That's the best of them. They got it down right. Jesus talked about how they tied the mint and cumin. So they was in their little garden picking little bit of mint leaves and counting. I don't know if they were doing weight or leaves or how they would, but he said they were tithing off of mint and cumin. That's deep. So they were real serious when it came to the law. He's saying you got to beat them. So you got to beat them scribes, beat them Pharisees. If y'all want to go to heaven, do better than what they did. Once again, what is one of the charges that he had against them over and over again? Y'all whitewashed tombs. You cleanse the outside of the cup, but inwardly it's full of dead man bones. It's filthy. So they had a righteousness. They had a righteousness. <laughs> That allowed them to be externally right in the sight of men. That allowed them to line up with some of the principles and the teachings that Moses got. That's what they had. They only got the shadow. And what Jesus said is we need to go beyond that and get the spirit of the law. That's a term Paul used. So y'all doing right because you ain't out there cheating on your wife. But if you're looking at these women with lust in your heart, you out there cheating on your wife. Well, hold up, Jesus. Like, how, how, hold on, how, how you going to say that? Because the external thing is only a shadow. There's a reality that comes beyond it. And what Jesus is, is purity of heart. Jesus is real pure. He's true holiness. He's pure righteousness. So he don't just not kill people. He love everybody. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? And that's why Jesus went into this thing that he went to in Matthew chapter 5. When he talking about your righteousness is seeing that of the scribes and Pharisees. Like they do the outside right. They got the shadow. But you need to have the heart. Just like, see why I got to pick on people. Like, like some of us come from churches that are real stringent. When it comes to you tithe and paying your tithes and, and tithing and tithing and tithing. But they don't get the reality of it. What is the reality? God told us in Malachi why he put the tithe into place. Said that there may be meat in my house. So God created a system because he knew he had a whole bunch of stingy people that would not share. 
so that nobody would be left out because he knew he had a whole bunch of people that would be poor. So he set up a system, a law, a shadow, so that the poor people and the widows and the orphans could be taken care of. So if y'all follow these commands and y'all do these things that I tell you, poor people will eat. But he had to make a rule and put judgment on it because he knew y'all joker was stingy. That's why he did it that way. But if we go beyond the shadow into the heart, what do we get? We don't need nobody telling us to take care of the poor. We do that. We search out. We set aside. I'm saying if you, if you come to Wednesday night Bible study and you listen to the man of God teach you about your finances, what one of the things he tell us in our principles? That when you're setting up your budget, you need to have a slot for giving. That one, that one of the things he taught. Like, why you do that in there? Because he got this crazy idea in his head that Christian people give. I don't know where he get that from. Like, why are he going to say we don't supposed to tithe, but we supposed to give? Tithe and giving. Because you're moving beyond the shadow. And you can go to a lot of these stingy churches that going to beat you down about your tithe. Then in the minute the coronavirus hit and you ain't got no job, they're going to tell you about social programs that are going to help you with your predicament. Jesus didn't set up a social program. He set up a family of people with the heart of God that moved beyond the shadow. Paying 10% is just a shadow. Pouring out your heart for real people, to love people, to support those who cannot support themselves is the true meat that we get from Christ. And that's what we move beyond. And that's the way our righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Come on, it's amazing to me. I've seen it too often. When people go to big churches and can't get nothing. Then they come to a little backwood church somewhere in slap out Alabama. I'm saying first church missionary Baptist Methodist church. Well, the pastor is a bricklayer. <laughs> and everything around her, he made it. And they got 12 people in the congregation. Nine of them 60 years old. But you go in there hurting and broken and them folk got some compassion on you and they can take care of you. But you pay your tithe to this other church and all they got is a screen for you to watch it on streaming when you shut in. But that's a whole nother conversation. I ain't supposed to been went there. Because we're talking about the shadow. I'm sorry. Nah, I ain't. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're talking about the shadow. Y'all understanding what I'm saying, though? The things contained in the law are shadow. They point to something greater. So when we see them, we're looking for the greater thing. Paul gave you a glimpse of it in this. He talked about the rite of circumcision earlier before this. He's like, you, you are circumcised. But it ain't with the circumcision that comes with hand. It's with the circumcision of the heart. So what he's showing you, the circumcision that they had was a sign of the covenant that put you in relationship with God. He's saying that is just a shadow of the real circumcision that comes of your heart, which Christ does, that puts you in true relationship with God. That's how we exceed. That's how we go beyond. In Hebrews 4, it talks about the Sabbath day. Like there remains a rest for the people of God. Like y'all joke will run around here trying to figure out if Saturday is really in the Bible. 
and, and you stress it. The writer of the Hebrews tell us that we press forward looking for the greater rest. What is it that rest? It's when we cease from our own works. Period. Not for a day, not for a night in the morning, but from our own works, period. So while people around here struggling, trying to worry about whether or not they can go to work on Friday night and Saturday morning, or should it just be Saturday, or any of all that stuff, what we're doing is we're resting and we're ceasing from our own works. Because the true Sabbath goes beyond and it points to a reality of rest to where we rest in the work of Christ. Because that's the beyond thing. Because I ain't seen now one of them celebrate the year of Jubilee yet. How many seven-day events you know work for a bank and tell everybody, hey, I canceled out all your loans because I'm going to celebrate the Sabbath. So don't nobody owe nobody nothing. I ain't never met that person yet. I ain't met the one that say, hey, I ain't going to work from January to December 31st because I'm finna celebrate the Sabbath. Have any of y'all met them all? They won't fuss at you by Saturday. And they just picked that one. But I ain't seen that one of them celebrate the year of Jubilee. What they gonna tell you? See, Christ is my Jubilee. I'm in Christ, and he, he gave me Jubilee because he came to set the captive free. That's true. And Christ is my Sabbath rest. And he gave me rest because I no longer do my own works. I rest in his because I'm rooted and grounded in faith. And it's no longer I who work, but Christ who lives in me. Because all those things are just a shadow. And if I get Christ, I got the reality. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? So we don't let nobody trick us. We don't let nobody beguile us. We don't let nobody take us away from Christ. And Paul makes this other crazy little statement. And he said, let no man beguile you of your word in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind. So now he, he go from all these rituals and all these Sabbath days and all these other things, and he get to talking about the spooky folks. Don't let none of them trick you. Don't let nobody get in your mind that you need to set aside a special time. You just, you just need to pray, 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 pray. Even now, pray, pray. Like spirit, 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 spirit of the Lord moving in this place right now. We got a special angelic visitation. If you just open yourself up to the spirit of God, the spirit of God and you see the angels surrounding, that dude lying to you. That dude is trying to spoil you. We won't go nowhere looking for no angels. We won't go nowhere looking for no special angelic visitation. That's not what we're in the search for. Who we looking for? Jesus. We're not trying to get a, get a special manifestation of some fireball or, or, or gold dust and, and all this other stuff. If God won't do that stuff, that's his prerogative. But am I looking for it? Nope. Don't care nothing about it. It does not make anybody special. Because they can see a cloud and they say it's the manifestation. No, that don't make you special. What makes us special? I'm rooted and grounded in him. So whether I see an angel or never see an angel, that don't make me anything. Whether I get a, a, a heavenly visitation or never get one, that don't make me anything. If God come and take me and, and allow me to see all the, 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 the history, the past and present and future and everything that shall ever be, that don't make me anything. And I don't send nobody on a search for that. 
If he wake me up in the middle of the night and give me a special visitation in the hell, that don't make me anything. The only thing that make me anything is what? Jesus. And that's the only thing I'm seeking for. That's the only thing I'm longing after. Christ and Christ alone. So don't let none of them deep folks trick you. Don't let none of them deep folks beguile you. Don't let any of those deep folks take you away from the head, the foundation, which is Christ Jesus. So the deep people are trying to put you in ritual and put you in tradition and put you in a certain garb and a certain robe. We ain't feeling them people either. Are y'all understanding what I'm saying? Don't let them folk take you away. Just because you got on a pair of Stacey Adams in a nice suit, that don't mean you holy. So you don't put that in your mind when you think of tradition, dude. But that is one. That don't make you holy. Because you got some Brook Brothers. I'm saying, no, yeah, we, we, we in Montgomery. DJ, what? They Steve Hart. <laughs> I'm saying, because you went to looking good and got that bootleg Steve Hart. <laughs> That don't make you holy. <laughs> None of those things make you anything. And we don't let nobody judge us or compel us to go either of those directions. The only thing we marching towards is what? Christ. We want to know Jesus. So if we see an angel, we interrupt that angel and be like, hey, angel, what you came to tell me about Jesus? <laughs> like, what, what? What Jesus got to say to me? God, I don't care about you. Now, y'all understand? If we see a heavenly visitation and we see fire falling, we'd be like, hey, fire? What this got to do with Jesus? <laughs> How is this going to root me and build me in him and establish my faith in him? When we listen to the deep dude on YouTube who's going to show us how the, the numerology at work and all the deep stuff in the Bible that predicts COVID-19, even though they ain't get it until three months after it didn't happen. We say, hey, deep dude, that we type in the comments. What did I do with Jesus? I mean, I, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying and it sounds good. What this got to do with Jesus? And when you run into that black brother who's going to tell you your true identity is that you are an Israelite black man. And that these people at this church is tricking you. Because they got you worshiping this false God on this false day or Sunday. God gave us the true Sabbath. And Daniel told us that the Antichrist is going to come and he's going to change times and seasons. See, they changed the time of the time that you're supposed to worship, black man, because they wanted to delude you. And you'd be like, I'm feeling you, black man. But what this got to do with Jesus? <laughs> Because that's the only thing that we need. Christ in Christ alone. And so no matter which way we go, we don't let nobody trick us. And if we take the principle of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Let's look at it. I'll let you look at that. First Corinthians chapter 7. Paul get his little rule in here. First Corinthians seven seventeen, and this is a rule that we hold on to. Said, but as God, 
hath distributed to every man as the Lord hath called everyone, so let him walk. And so I ordain in all churches. So Paul telling you this, this is one of his traditions that he set up. So Paul had this ordination. This is what he ordained in every church. As God has distributed to every man. And as you were called, so you walk. So just how you was when Christ called you, so you walk. And he give us some principles for that. Say, is any man called being circumcised? Let him not become uncircumcised. Is any man called an uncircumcision? Let him not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing and uncircumcision is nothing. But the keeping of the commandment of God. Let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. Are thy called being a servant? Care not for it. But if thou mayest be made free, use it rather. For he that is called in the Lord being a servant is the Lord's free man. Likewise, also, he that is called being free is Christ's servant. And you are bought with a price and be ye not the servants of men. This is Paul's principle. Like in the state that you're called in, whatever you identify yourself as once you call, he said, continue in that. Because if you are a Jew, when Christ saved you, be a Jew. Think nothing of it. If you are not a Jew when Christ saved you, be not a Jew. Because neither one of those things are going to profit you anything. And he, and, he, and he did this in a witty way. He said, because circumcision profit not, nor uncircumcision, but to keep another commandment of God. Like, hold on, Paul. Circumcision comes from the commandments of God. How it, how it don't profit but the commandment of God? Like, that don't make no sense. How can I keep the commandment of God and not be circumcised? Because the reality goes beyond the shadow. And what Paul is saying is this external observance. So if black man, you are the true Israelite, we don't care. Be the true Israelite. If black man, you are just a black boy from Alabama and you can't figure out where you came from, be that. It don't matter. Whatever state you're called in, continue in that state. So we don't go and meet Jewish people and tell them, hey, y'all got to stop observing the feasts and the holy days and the Sabbath days. We don't do that. We want to tell them you're going to have to stop wearing that press, y'all. You, you know, we don't do that. We encourage them to be that. If that's who you are, be it. But we also don't go to the other end and say you got to start. Whatever state you're called in, continue in that state. And don't let nobody judge you. And Paul said this is the thing he set up in all churches. And he was doing this at a time when it was a bigger deal. Because our identity is not in our out, outward observance, but it's in who we are and where we are founded in, and we are hidden in Christ. And that's the only thing we get identity from. Everybody tracking with me. Do we got any questions?